Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy and pass along and share. Now, Let's get to the lesson. Hello again. Uh, We're back in Matthew chapter 3. I've got a lot of ground to cover today. So, um, you know, I want to really kind of get into this. Hopefully we can get everything in in uh, the 15 minutes or so that uh, I want to do for this. But anyway, Matthew chapter 3, we went through the first four verses. And that the first four verses there, of course, describe John, you know, quite a bit. And that's kind of important. Uh, because when you get into um, the next verses, you, you kind of got to understand who uh, who John is. In verse 5 it says, Then went, John, uh, then went out to him um, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about uh, Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Um, you know, we see right away that John was having an impact. A lot of people were coming out to hear him. People heard who he was. They heard his message. It was new. It was different. And they came. They heard. They believed. Um, but, you know, John John wasn't anything special. You know, and that's kind of important to understand because a lot of guys, especially preachers, seem to want to, you know, become renowned. And, and you know, and they're kind of looking for an edge. Um so that they can become well-known. But John really was just kind of a plain guy. You know, he described in the first few verses there, you know, he's wearing the camel hair and a leather girdle. And, uh, and, you know, he was a little odd with his diet, of course, he, uh, locusts and wild honey. Um, but the, the point, you know, that I'm trying to make is that he was nothing. He wasn't trying to put on airs, I guess, so to speak. He was just a common guy, and he was willing to wear whatever was available. He was willing to eat whatever was given him. Um, He wasn't particular. Now, you know, I kind of envision John in my own mind. I certainly don't have scripture for this, but I kind of have a feeling that that, that John was um, an aggressive type of guy by nature and probably had a very booming voice. And, of course, you know, back then, he didn't have all the amplification and everything that we have now on, you know, it was just mostly outdoors or in a theater setting or something or just a market area or something like that. Um, and, and so you, you kind of had to have a good voice, you know, to command the attention. You know, I remember reading one of uh, Charles Spurgeon's books, um, lectures to my students, and he was talking about, you know, what the tools that preachers need. And that was one of the things that he brought up. You know, you had, need to have a good voice because in his day there was no amplification other than to try and design buildings with uh, you know um, sound effects and that sort of thing that would carry carry sound and cause it to rebound around Uh, but you still you know you had to have a good voice for people to be able to hear what you said and I kind of pictured John being that way so 
Even though he was a very plain guy, he had a way of commanding attention. Um, but, you know, his, he was a plain man and he, was a, he had a very plain message. You know, it was a message of repentance. And it didn't change, no matter who the person was. It didn't care, um, you know, what your status was or, or, you know, anything else about your background. He was the same with, with the common man. He was the same with the Pharisees, same with the publicans, same with kings, same with soldiers. Um, and it wasn't really the great crowds that made John great, but it was his conviction and his courage and his, his boldness. That's what really made John stand out. Um, and, and, you know, his, he wasn't afraid to call a spade a spade. Now, you know, he, he likened the judgment of false teachers to the condemning and the cutting down of a worthless um, and fruitless fruit tree because uh, it, it says in verse 7, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Uh, bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. You know, you said you can't claim your heritage uh, to get you to heaven. That doesn't mean anything. It's just heritage. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So, you know, that's, that's by God's design and for his own purpose, not yours. And then he says, And now also the axe is laid into the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, cast into the fire. So he's telling them, look, you know, the, the things you cling to and the things you claim are worthless. It's the same as cutting down a dead tree. It makes, you know, they, they, they don't go anywhere. Um, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, will thoroughly purge the floor, gather his wheat into the garner, will burn up the chafe and the unquenchable fire. So, I mean, he's basically calling these guys chafe. You're, you know, you're, you're garbage. You're, you're the stuff that gets cast away. You're the stuff that nobody needs. You're the stuff that... That, that, that creates decay, creates problem. You know, you have to be getting rid of in order for us to get to the good stuff. So, he, you know, he doesn't hold back. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't try to sugarcoat his message. You know, these guys are, are doing things that are worthless. And he's pointing them out as, as worthless. I, I remember an episode on um, the TV. I, I've watched, uh, what was the name of it? Uh, um... The Big Bang Theory, you know, I've watched that, and, and you know, it was kind of funny. And Sheldon, that particular character, he was once talking to one of the other fellows, and, and um, he had insulted them because they told him, they said, you make me feel worthless, you know, the things you say are very derogatory. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. He says, I think you misinterpreted what I said. He says, I, I don't believe you're worthless at all. Says, I think you're very smart. I think you're very good at what you do. He says, it's just that what you do is worthless. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, that's, that's kind of what uh, John is doing here. He says, what, what you guys do is worthless. Uh, there's, there's no point to it. it. There's no value to it. So he really, he cuts them no slack. And, and, and we can't be that way. We, you know, we don't have to be insulting. And I don't know that John was being insulting. He was doing whatever was necessary. Um, but that was his message 
to these guys, even though he was just a plain guy. He didn't have any accolades or anything to, to back it up as far as his character or personality was concerned. He was just doing what God told him to do. And that's where we're at in life. You know, the only thing we can do is what God has told us to do. And, it, it, you know, it's up to God to, you know, make us credible or to use whatever credentials we may have or provide credentials. Um, we just need to be obedient to God. But anyway, you know, we get into the section here, and this is kind of the part that may might take a little while because we need to refer to some other scriptures. And I want to talk a little bit about, about baptism because he says, Then come, uh, cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. So Jesus comes to John. He travels about 60 miles from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized. And, uh, uh, and so John, certainly he's kind of, set back because in verse 14 he says but John forbade him saying I need to be baptized of thee and comest thou to me you know John says wait a minute hold on you know you should be baptizing me I shouldn't be baptizing you um, and Jesus here's here Jesus answer and this is this is what I really want to get into and Jesus answering said unto him suffer to be so now for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness then he suffered him um, so notice this phrase that he used he says I, I want to fulfill all righteousness we need to and, you know I think you understand what we're saying because Jesus came to, to fulfill the gospel he came to complete the gospel to complete the Old Testament because everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus and so of course his life is the fulfillment of that but specifically this phrase he says to fulfill all righteousness I want you to if you're in your Bibles, turn back to Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, because that's where it talks about the 70 weeks of Daniel. Now, I don't have time to get into 70 weeks of Daniel. That We'd be here forever talking about that. But I just want to point out just this one particular verse here, verse 24, and what it says about that. It says, uh, Daniel 9, 24, it says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, uh, and upon thy holy city. And he, and he gives them um, several items here. He says, number one, to finish the transgression. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to take the time to explain all these because I don't, I don't, there's only really one I want to point out. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, and, and because, of course, all these together kind of encapsulate what he's talking about. He says, to fulfill righteousness, uh, and to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and fourthly, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now remember that phrase. And to seal up the visions of prophecy, and then number six, and to anoint the most holy. Notice he says to bring in everlasting righteousness. That was one of the purposes of the 70th week of Daniel. And of course Jesus has to come and to die in order for that to begin. That was, you know, that's 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 when this all happens. Um, in order to make it possible, in other words, um, because Jesus himself says, I came to fulfill all righteousness. Well, that was part of that prophecy. So without Jesus, the righteousness of the end of time could not be fulfilled. So Jesus came in specifically at this particular occasion. He came to be baptized. And Jesus, when he was baptized, we're back in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, 
and lighting upon him, and low a voice from heaven, saying, This is my, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Of course, we have this whole thing about baptism, and of course, we understand the picture. I don't think there's a whole lot of controversy about that, and we know what it represents. Um, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, but, you know, but there's so many, there are different teachings regarding baptism. Some say baptism saves, some say it doesn't. Um, I, of course, I'm of the opinion it, it doesn't. It's simply an act of obedience. There are some that say, but it's required for salvation. You can't be saved unless you are baptized. Even though it may not be salvation in and of itself, it's still required to be done. Well, you know, here's here's my question about that. Well, actually, several questions about that. Um, why, you know, you remember in Acts chapter 19, verses, I think, 3 through 5, when um, the, you know, Jesus encountered the disciples in, in Ephesus, and he asked them, have you been baptized? And they said, well, you know, we only know about John's baptism. Of course, he explained the correct baptism, what that was for. And they all became obedient and were baptized, you know, uh, in, uh, for salvation. So here you get a group of people who are baptized twice. Well, if baptism saves you, why, why didn't you need to be baptized twice? Um, wouldn't once do it. Um, Another thing, of course, there's always the thing about the thief on the cross who was never baptized. Uh, that wasn't necessary. Well, the argument for that is people say, well, he was from the Old Testament dispensation, so baptism wasn't required. Well, okay, if that's true, why were people baptized prior to him? John baptized, Jesus baptized, there were, you know, people were baptized all, all during Jesus' life. So if baptism was not required under the Old Testament dispensation, then why were people baptized before the thief? Um, so that argument really doesn't uh, hold any water. You know, aside from that, the Bible links um, salvation to obedience, which, you know, is what I believe that baptism is. It's an act of obedience because it's, it's a sign of true conversion. It's not conversion itself. It's a sign of of true conversion. So, you know, there's just some of the questions that I have for those who try to say that baptism is required for salvation, you know, that doesn't make sense because some were baptized, some weren't, some baptized twice. Um, I think the general demeanor when it talks about baptism in the Bible has to do with obedience. So, anyway, that's the situation. So Jesus, and Jesus certainly didn't need to be saved. Um, Jesus was being baptized simply as an act of obedience and, and to establish a precedence. You notice also you had the Trinity that was present here during his baptism. You had God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. They were both present at the baptism of Jesus. Of course, the Son was there too. And God puts his stamp of approval on it. He says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So he was pleased with his baptism and the fact that it was a picture of his obedience to the death, burial, and resurrection. And so, well done, now good and faithful servants. You know, what a, what a great uh, phrase to hear. And one that certainly we as Christians should be looking forward to because someday we'll stand before our, our Savior and, um, you know, we'll hear that sweet and re rewarding phrase um, reiterated to the Christian when, when we stand before God. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm certainly looking forward to that. 
um, it's going to be a great day in heaven. And it, you know, this you know we've gone through this pretty quickly, but this passage here in Matthew is pretty critical. It gives us some great truths that you know I didn't really have near the time to delve into in any depth. But the fact is, uh, they're there, and I hope I hope this has helped you a little bit. God bless. See you next time.